Good morning. Good morning. Happy fourth. Welcome. Come on in. I'm Angela Herrera, the senior minister here at First Unitarian Church. Welcome wherever you are, just as you are. It's good to be together this morning. I'm joined today by the Reverend Bob Lavalley, our associate minister, by lay leader Raven Reed Starr, DJ Cy Schuster, and tech arts director Chris Paul. Vance Bass, Jordan Jones, and Bill Miller round out our tech team this morning. And on behalf of the whole team, I wanna extend a special welcome to any first or second time visitors this morning. If you are a first or second time visitor and you feel comfortable, we invite you to put your name and location in the chat box so we can extend a personal greeting to you. We will begin with the lighting of chalices and candles in just a moment. And you'll be invited to join in lighting one of your own at home. But first we have one announcement from Raven. At the end of May, this congregation voted overwhelmingly to move forward with purchasing the ARC building that abuts our property. The, per the process of purchasing the building is moving forward and the church has begun conducting the appropriate inspections as we move towards closing. As part of that effort, Three weeks ago, the church began a capital campaign to fund the purchase. I'm delighted to share today that the church has received over $450,000 in pledges and donations. The church is still accepting pledges, but we wanted to express our deep gratitude for this amazing display of generosity. If you'd still like to pledge, there's a link in the chat. And if you did pledge, thank you, thank you, thank you. Today's chalice lighting uses the words of Elizabeth M. Strong. Our Unitarian heritage bids us light our chalice in the name of freedom, in the light of reason, in actions of tolerance. We gather in community to celebrate a heritage of freedom, reason, and tolerance. Our universal heritage bids us light our chalice in the name of faith, in the light of hope, in actions of love. We gather in community to celebrate a heritage of faith, hope, and love. Let us bring this Unitarian Universalist heritage into our world. Come, let us worship together. time was built to last if it could learn to take it slow then maybe time at last would know How come the 
the chat for a few moments during our meditation and prayer. We'll turn it on again during the joys and concerns. Today's meditation is a reflection on the truth that we are the church. Our gathered presence, our we-ness, is an act of prayer. So in that spirit, we're going to do something a little different today. I'm inviting you to turn on your video cameras if they're not already on and if that's comfortable to you or just possible. And I'm going to ask that you change your view setting from speaker to gallery, from speaker to gallery. Well, I remember uh, I was having a conversation years ago in Boston with a group of Unitarian Universalists about prayer and this woman told me that she prays by riding the subway and looking at the faces of the people around her. 
In that spirit, I invite us to sit together, gathered together in sacred silence, seeing each other's faces as a prayer. You can return to speaker view now if you wish and turn off your cameras if that's your preference, although we do love to see your faces. Each day we add a page to the story of our lives. At times those pages tell of joy and gladness and other times of sorrow and concern. Our stories are woven together when we support others in their moments of joy or sadness and others support us in ours. These interwoven moments become part of the story of our community here together. Please share your joys and concerns in the chat bar as prompted by the video. If you cannot share in the chat bar today for any reason, we still want to hear from you. Contact us at caring at uuabq.org.
see each other we are together in our joys and concerns as we share so many joys so many concerns and we lift up in particular Heidi's father who passed last week may light perpetual shine upon him but all these joys and concerns and the joys and concerns held in our hearts unspoken but no less deeply felt all of these we lift up to the great powers of celebration and healing and renewal known by many names. 
May that be so. Will you join me in the spirit of prayer? <clears throat> we celebrate with Dick and Jill Desjardins, who have been married for 30 years this week, and with Mary and Dave Colton, who have been married for 60 years, 6-0. May their unions, all their unions, continue to be blessed. We lift up Dwayne Argode as he grieves the loss of his son. May light perpetual shine upon him. We mourn with Charlene Baker and her family as they grieve the as they grieve the passing of her partner, Alan Robnett. May his memory be a blessing and may light perpetual shine upon him. We mourn for the loved ones of those lost in the building collapse in Miami and lift prayers for those impacted by the heat dome in the Northwest. And we lift up all those suffering from the consequences of climate change. May our leaders grasp the urgency of the situation and act with courage and wisdom. On this national holiday celebrating the creation of the United States of America, we acknowledge the gap between what we were taught this country was and what it actually is. May we as a country imagine a new way of being and live into it. In this time of emergence, transition, and transformation, we pray for us, for our gathered congregation. We pray that love and our mission of hospitality and service, that they guide us in the weeks and months to come. We pray that we keep each other close. As we navigate this uncharted terrain, as we step out of the comforting light of knowing and certainty and feel our way into a new iteration of community, perhaps wiser, perhaps more grateful, perhaps more committed to imagining a new way. And may we all be held in the heart of love. Peace be with you.
above you grows dark and full of clouds and that old north wind should begin to blow keep your head together and call my name out loud and soon I'll be Our reading this morning is Fluent by John O'Donohue. I would love to live like a river flows, carried by the surprise of its own unfolding. There ends the reading. It goes by fast. I'll read it one more time. Fluent by John O'Donohue. I would love to live like a river flows, carried by the surprise of its own unfolding. Those of you who've been part of First Unitarian for a while now probably know that my life took an unexpected turn when I was in college working on becoming a minister. I won a scholarship like a really big one. And since I had that and I had good grades and since getting a master of divinity degree was one of the requirements to become a Unitarian Universalist minister, I decided to apply to Harvard Divinity School. Why not? YOLO, right? Might as well try. 
And this was a total moonshot. I had grown up very blue collar, working class. In fact, my understanding of it was that we were low class, which is a really crappy way of talking about people, but that's what people said. And that was my understanding at the time. So I was very surprised when I got in. And then while I was there, I took advantage of the opportunity to cross register into one of the other graduate schools. And I signed up for a class at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. I took a class in community organizing from Marshall Gans, who had worked alongside Martin Luther King Jr. and Cesar Chavez. And from there, I was recruited to work with him on a project for the Episcopal Church, which led us to their general convention in Anaheim, California, which led to the moment one evening when I found myself walking side by side with my professor in Disneyland. By the end of the night, he would be sporting mouse ears. Everything leading up to that point flashed before my eyes. This is really surreal, I told him. That's what's great about life, Marshall said. You never know what's going to happen. John O'Donohue's words reminded me of this story. I was so surprised by how my life had unfolded in that moment. If we live enough years, we'll all experience some of those, you just never know what's going to happen, bends in the river. And now we've all had a heck of a surprise in the last year and a half, haven't we? many surreal moments. But O'Donohue's words are not just about the things that happen to us or that we experience on the outside. There's also an inner unfolding that happens in our lives, an inner unfolding. Have you ever been surprised by that? Have you grown as a person in some surprising ways? Sometimes we grow unexpectedly through some kind of adversity. You grow when something painful or difficult happens that requires a change in you or it knocks you out of your old patterns or it reveals to you your own deepest values and longing in such a way as to lead you into a transformation. Things can happen on the outside that lead to growth, depth, or a depth of joy that wouldn't have seemed possible without that loss and we grow spiritually larger, as Alice Walker says. Other times you might set an intention to try to change or grow, right? Like for example, joining a new community, like a church community, or coming out or going into recovery could all be examples of that. Without a catalyst event or a conscious intention though, our default mode, you know, like that factory setting that humans come with, our default mode tends to, it makes us prone to getting stuck. There's some ways that we can get stuck in a rut on the inside. And then we end up repeating predictable patterns in our lives or hanging on to perceptions that may not really serve us well. And then we're not carried by the surprise of our own unfolding, but may feel trapped or helpless almost like the river has been dammed. It's a kind of damnation, pun intended. In our tradition, we don't preach or teach about a place called hell or people being damned in that old fashioned sense. Whatever hells exist, I think we create them right here in this life. 
when the beautiful inner unfolding of our lives is blocked though, when that river is dammed by unconscious patterns or projections, it leads to suffering. So perhaps that is one of them. And that's what I wanna focus on today, on liberation from that. Some religions teach you that in order to avoid damnation, you have to become less yourself and more like some perfect standard, or you have to cut off or suppress parts of yourself. But this is the opposite of that. This is about unfolding in wholeness and liberation. In Buddhism, the mindsets and patterns we get stuck in are described as trances, trances. A trance is a state of being only half conscious. When we're in a trance, when we're half conscious like that, we're not responding to the present. We aren't fully present to the present, to what is. We're only half awake, half conscious. And one of the most powerful trances we get caught up in is what the Buddhist teacher Tara Brach calls the trance of not okay. The trance of not okay. In this trance, we believe that we are not okay, that we are not acceptable, that we do not belong, that we must strive very hard in order to belong. Belonging is defined by the cultures we are in, family culture and social cultures, and the one often repeats the other, of course. The dominant culture in the US prizes what? Independence, self-sufficiency, material gain. It prizes intellectual knowledge rather than emotional or spiritual or body-based ways of knowing. This culture values the suppression of emotions and it associates that with masculinity and it devalues traits that associates with femininity. It values thinness, tallness, light skin, youth, and a level of physical ability that has only ever been temporary for any of us. This culture values the English language, but only certain forms of it. This culture has also significantly been shaped by a religious belief that humans have fallen from God's grace and must somehow work their way back into it. And this translates into seriously dysfunctional and mixed messages about humanness, freedom, suffering, pleasure, and work. This culture has shaped our minds so thoroughly, most of us, that it can be hard to identify what is a perception and what is an observation. We also received some personalized variations on these cultural messages and thought structures from people in our lives, often people who we love and love us, but who have themselves internalized the stuff and are also in the trance. When I was growing up, I heard loud and clear that I was too direct and spoke with too much authority, that my feelings were too much and that I was difficult. Furthermore, I was made to understand that I should try very hard not to let my body grow to look like the bodies of other women in my family, women I cherished and whose DNA is in my DNA. I received that message from many sources, including from the cherished women themselves. What were some of the frameworks you received? 
some of the perceptions and messages that shaped how you see yourself? What do you wish were different about you? And what is the belief underneath that wish? A common experience is that we learn new ideas or we come to hold different values than the ones we were taught or that we absorbed, yet we still find ourselves operating and even thinking as though those old messages, frameworks, perceptions, and beliefs were somehow hardwired into us. We seem to be stuck. But that's the great thing about life, right? That you never know what's going to happen. And even when we seem very stuck, we really can get free. Even from patterns we've held all our lives and that seem to be everywhere around us. Tara Brock tells a story about a magician. The magician had been traveling from town square to town square, astonishing people with a special magic trick. He would point to something and it would instantly turn to gold. And he could do this with any object, a shovel, a book, you name it. In one town, at the final show of the day, he notices that at the end, everyone is ooing and aahing and clapping, except for one boy. As the crowd disperses, the boy just keeps standing there. He's holding a walking stick, and so the magician points at it, and it turns to gold. No reaction. The boy still does not react. The magician turns the boy's shoelaces to gold and then his belt to gold. And the kid just stands there. What's wrong, says the magician. I've just made you the richest person in town. Aren't you happy? What do you want? And the boy says, what I want is the magic finger. We think we want the prize, says Brock, but we lose sight of the source of all that we cherish. The desire to belong and to be lovable and acceptable is our deepest longing as human beings. In our UU principles, this is what's behind the words about acceptance and compassion and inherent worth and dignity. And, and the notion that we're separate, that we are more or less than others, or that our value lies in how we look or what we achieve or what we acquire, that is an illusion. Now this stuff runs really deep though, and it's sneaky, it's sneaky stuff. You know, even somebody who seems to have all the markers of success according to these cultural values, even a person with all those markers of success is essentially actually very fragile because it's all based on transient things and on the illusion that we are in control. That's how we wind up with a lot of mean spiritedness and bottomless greed, and even regular people being very judgmental toward one another. When we're judgmental, you know, that's just a way of drawing ourselves inside the circle of acceptance and drawing the other person outside of it, at least for a moment. But that, that's still taking part in the illusion, the sneaky illusion. That's how sneaky it is. So, so how do we free ourselves from these beliefs? How do we awaken from the trance of not okay? What is the magic finger? 
It begins with becoming alert observers of our own minds. When you're half conscious, you're not really aware of what's happening in your mind. When you are fully conscious, when you're truly present, you are aware of your own mind. This is essentially what meditation is all about, right? It's the practice of noticing your own mind, just noticing what's happening in there. The two minute meditation that we do in these services each week is for that. It's not very long. I know that sometimes that chime rings and you realize you just were distracted the entire time. That's okay. Let the ritual of it here though, be a reminder to practice it on your own. Pepper your week with several short little meditations or even just mindfulness moments where you intentionally notice your own thinking and feelings. It, it will become a practice that makes a big difference in your life. Pre-pandemic, I spent a weekend at a meditation retreat with the Zen priest, Angel Kyoto Williams, and she said something so interesting. She described liberation as a process of excavation, a process of uncovering and studying things in our own minds, like you're excavating a site or something. What you're excavating is what's not yours, she said. Our minds are not all ours. They're other people's projections, signals, stories, etc., that have shaped us and formed the way we think. So we practice observing our own minds. And this is important. We practice doing so with compassion. It won't do to tune in and observe your own mind and say, look at all the dumb thoughts I'm having and leave it at that. If you notice yourself having a thought, when you notice yourself having a thought that is negative or judgmental, instead of distancing yourself from it by judging the thought, right, layering it on, instead of that, try getting curious about it. What's under it? For example, when I find myself feeling irritable, often my first reaction is to scold myself. What's wrong with you? I say to myself, the people around you don't deserve your irritability. When I get curious about that though, I notice that the reason for all that scolding in my head is that I believe my feelings are not okay, that they're too much. If I let myself get curious even more, I wonder how a feeling can be too much. It's just a feeling and feelings just are. To have them is human. And furthermore, our feelings don't tend to last very long. Feelings come and go all the time. So how did I come to believe they're too much? And what if they are too much, right? What, what am I afraid will happen if they're too much? And now I can see myself as a child feeling overwhelmed by my feelings as a still new human and receiving a scolding instead of compassion. Instead of being taught how to feel my feelings and let them go, I was taught to be afraid that they'll cause me to not belong or not be acceptable. 
how can I not have compassion for that child? And now that I see, see that she is still with me, how can I not have compassion for myself? I don't blame my caregivers, by the way. They were only passing on what they themselves had received. But let me tell you, nobody's bad mood was ever improved by a scolding. Compassion is what softens our edges. Can you find your edge and soften? When you do, when you make it your practice, you'll come to know that you are not your thoughts and feelings or your judgments about your thoughts and feelings or anyone else's judgments about them or about you. You are much deeper than all of that. And who you are, who you really are, belongs, is worthy, is lovable, always has been, always will be. Although these thoughts and perceptions we get tangled up in can make us lose sight of ourselves, they are not us. Find your edge and soften. It's a simple practice. Doesn't mean it's always easy, but it is one of the most powerful ways I know to undam, like to unblock, dislodge old patterns, to dismantle hidden beliefs that don't serve us or that maintain the illusion of our separateness to awaken from the trance of not okay, to open ourselves to more joy and connection than we might've thought possible so that we live our lives as O'Donohue says, like a river flows carried by the surprise of its own unfolding. That is my wish for you, for all of us. May it be so. The Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico will be our Change for the Future recipient for the months of June, July, and August. The Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico provides information, referral, support, and advocacy for people in New Mexico with brain injuries. You can make an offering online by clicking on the link that we'll put in the chat box. And if you'd prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include change for the future on the middle line. Busted flat in Baton Rouge, waiting for a train. Oh, I was feeling nearly as faded as my jeans. Bobby thawed a diesel down just before it rained, and he rode us all the way to New Orleans. Well, I.
generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque, and thank you on behalf of the Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico. And we're moving towards the end of our service, and 
Uh, as you, if you want to stay and talk to folks in the congregation, just stay on all the way through the credits. We'll put you into a breakout room. And perhaps I want to offer a discussion question that you can talk about in the breakout rooms or with your family or maybe just mull it over by yourself. I don't know. That question is, which of your hidden beliefs have you dismantled? Which of your hidden beliefs have you dismantled? And I'm putting that in the chat so you can turn it over in your minds and in your hearts. And speaking of turning it over, I'm going to pass it to Angela now. And now we extinguish our chalices and our candles, remembering that this is the day we have been given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us live wisely, love courageously, and bless all whom we are blessed to meet. Go in peace.